0: You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey everybody, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to The Comics Hall. This week we've got a whole slew of new books and comic book news and some trade paperbacks we want to talk to you about all circling the week of Wednesday, April 21st. We are also joined by a fantastic moderator this week. Why don't you say hello? Hello,
1: everybody. Rob will be your moderator for this week again, be in the chats, hanging out with you guys, and passing along any questions. Yes. All right.
0: He is here to make sure that you guys keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times while we talk comic
1: book news. Right. You lose <laughs> a limb. It belongs to the Comics Hall. Read your contracts, people. And also, I love that Rob has also, everyone, just so you know, he picks up all the books that we aim. So if you guys have any questions about the books that we um, we can't get to, because, again, we only got the hour, uh, ask Rob. He's also read them. So,
0: Yeah, fantastic resource, comic book guy himself. Uh, so just uh, let him know or... He can pass your questions on to us or he can tackle them himself. Uh, now, once again, you guys are, if you're joining us live right now, hello, it is 4 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday, the 21st. Uh, we got a lot of new stuff to cover this week. And if you're not joining us live, then you are probably on the video feedback or the podcast, which does go live every Thursday on all your favorite podcasting platforms. So you can check that out there. And if you are listening audio only, you can go to sideshow.com slash geek to check out our blog with all the images that we referenced in this show today. That, that usually goes live right around. The same time as the podcast, so I feel confident in saying you can go there right now. But uh, it's weird talking present and talking future, but it's also in the past. You know how I think Dr.
1: Manhattan feels all the time.
0: (laughs) No wonder he's so tired all the time, so Uh, grumpy, just so grumpy. But let's jump in with some comic book news. We got a lot of stuff going on this week. We we had to we had to trim it down for you guys, but I think we've we've picked some some fun stuff. We got a lot a lot of Marvel, but. In that, we've got some Alien stuff coming up, and we've got some new stuff from Image Comics. So I'm going to jump right in with the biggest news that I'm sure everybody's already had a chance to cover. Uh, we got a Shang-Chi trailer, you guys. Marvel Studios released the first official teaser trailer. So it's an official teaser, but it's not the official trailer. I have no idea who decided that when people started putting out movie trailers, but it's the first official teaser trailer it wasn't for us. <laughs> Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which, of course, is going to be the newest film set to be re- uh, released on a, based on a Marvel superhero. I believe this is the twenty fifth film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it is, our, it is phase four. Um, we're also getting Black Widow in phase four, but this will be the first brand new superhero in a long, long while. Um, the film, of course, will star actor Simu Liu as the uh, title role of Shang-Chi, who was created in the 70s by Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin. Uh, this film will also introduce the real Mandarin, who was, of course, teased in a plot twist that was very divisive among fans in Iron Man 3. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the, <laughs> the Ten Rings will hit theaters on September 3rd later this year.
1: Nice. Yeah, very excited. I, I assume everyone has seen that. If you haven't, kudos for wherever you bought that rock you're living under. Because <laughs> seriously, it's, it's been everywhere. We're all very, very excited. And it only took like a year and a half. But um, moving on over to, it's still Marvel technically. Yeah, still Marvel. Technically. Uh, technically. Uh, Marvel has announced that this summer they will celebrate the 35th anniversary of Aliens with a special one-shot by Benjamin Percy and Dave Wachter. I always his. I want to pronounce his name Watcher. It is not Watcher. It's not Watu. Um Benjamin Percy Dave Walker, Aliens Aftermath number one will be a double sized issue set in Hadley's Hope, the colony that was devastated by tragedy in the film. Artist Phil Noto, love Phil Noto, we're big Phil Noto fans on this show, uh, has created the cover art for this issue, which will be available in stores and online beginning July 14th. Very, very excited for that. I'm not a huge Alien fan. As a matter of fact, I think it was a running joke for a long time that I actually hadn't seen the film. And I had saw the first one during Spectacular, and now I'm all in. Like, oh. I loved everything about Alien. Now, the the uh, I I went to Salvador Larroca, who's the artist on the book. But the new Aliens Marvel book is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I believe Aliens Two is also out today. Just
0: you know. Yeah, I think I think that, I think that next Alien issue is out. Um, yeah, no Alien was was a thing. One of my best friends in college. It was. It's his favorite film franchise above all. So he made us watch all of them. Uh, <laughs> so I. But I love. I love. Alien and aliens. So um, the fun part about all this news as well is that basically for the comic book releases we're talking about, you can chart your July because up next uh, we've (laughs) got World War She-Hulk. This July after Heroes Reborn, Marvel is launching a uh, World War She-Hulk event. It's not a line-wide event. This is just affecting the Avengers book as well. It's one of those kind of story arcs more than an event. But, of course, it is an homage to the classic World War Hulk storyline, which gave us the Hulk going to Sakaar, which, of course, served for inspiration for Thor Ragnarok. So who knows where this will go? Uh, But after the events of the Enter the Phoenix arc and uh, who knows what we will see in Heroes Reborn, Jennifer Walters is declared a global menace and the Winter Guard, Russia's greatest heroes, will be hunting her to bring her to justice. Uh, This is very much uh, a... It it is payoff for storylines that Jason Aaron is setting up. Um, So if you've been following the Avengers, then you'll kind of know what's going on. I mean, you'll understand that there have been a lot of changes going on with Jennifer Walters. Uh, And it's it's definitely not easy being green. Uh, But we're going to see her hunted down uh, by the Winter Guard, which should be very interesting. And that will begin in Avengers 46 on July 7th. So you got World War She-Hulk on July 7th. You've got Aliens on the 14th. And Paul, tell us what's coming up on the 21st of July.
1: I can't wait. Image Comics has revealed a three-issue miniseries called... So it's technically called M.O.M. Mother of Madness, but it spells mom, of course, written by uh, Amelia Clark of Game of Thrones fame, along with co-writer Marguerite Bennett with art by Layla Lays. The story focuses on a single mother named Maya who discovers she has superpowers and uses them to fight a human trafficking ring. In an interview, Clark has stated it has similar humor to Deadpool, but with a feminist angle. Mom, Mother of Madness goes on sale on July 21st. So... Your July's booked, everyone. You've heard it here. Your whole July is officially booked.
0: I they, there's an interview with Amelia Clark on the the topic of her book in uh, Entertainment Weekly. Mm-hmm. The art looks phenomenal. I mean, I was I was hesitant, but this isn't the first time that we've had obviously a celebrity figure who takes an interest in comic books. I mean, of course, we've got Keanu Reeves. We've had uh, there's an actress, I believe it's Adrian Um mm who also did a series with black mask. Uh, but uh, the art looks phenomenal and I'm very excited for this story. I mean, it's a nice three issue mini which isn't a mini length you see often, but I think this could be a really fun release for image comics. So
1: yeah, very, very exciting. We're in a very fun time. If you're a comic book fan, um, it's an exciting time to be reading right now.
0: Yeah. And that's just a small snippet of the news that came out. I mean, we had more trailers and things, more series announcements. You guys can check all of that out. Uh, catch up with your local comic book store. I'm sure that they would be happy to help you pre-order any of these and more titles that have just been announced. Uh, And we're going to get full July solicitations very, very soon uh, with all the companies kind of trickling out this information, which means that'll all be up for pre-order very, very soon. Yes. And just a a cautionary tale, I know that this week had the release of Batman Fortnite number 1. Most stores that I know of are completely sold out of that. So that's, again, a, a reason for pre-ordering your books if you are interested in a title because who ever thought that in the year 2021 we'd have a Batman Fortnite comic and it would be a sellout on the first day
1: I so okay so we have a lot of other show to get to but I've got a not a gripe with this but I've I've got something that I want to say so it's so fascinating that people were so shocked by how well this book would sell and it's like like these aren't indie books like these are two huge, huge properties. And uh, it was funny that people who have never, I, I think this is uh, what I loved is one, we have, you know, someone who me and Amy both know, runs a local comic shop. Uh, he had a really great take on it saying like, hey, it was cool to see that this was someone's first book. They'd never been into a comic book store and this was their first comic book. Um, and also I think there was like a skin, like a, a, for a g- in-game skin in in the comic as well. Oh, very likely. And so uh, it it was huge, and it sold like gangbusters. And I i, I just want to say, like, I am all for that, um, as Jack Donaghy from 30 Rock would say, that vertical integration in in your own uh, <laughs> marketing. <laughs> uh, I just thought it was really cool. I, I actually am going to read it. I have never played Fortnite. I just know I'm going to be bad at it, but I think it would be really fun. And I bought knows? some of the
0: Fortnite Marvel variant covers because they were just too darn cute. They're so, just I cool. Mean, I don't <laughs> – yeah. You know
1: what? Whatever we and this show we are all about getting new readers into local comic shops. So and, whatever gets And I'm excited
0: about how many, how many younger readers will definitely yes. be taking an interest in that. And then that's the that's the gateway. That's how you get them.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: they're, next thing you know, they're reading Batman the Long Halloween, and look what you've done to your children.
1: <laughs> I swear we it's a good thing. We don't want to
0: scare anyone off. But <laughs> we do have a whole bunch of books from this week to get to. We covered a lot of publishers in our weekly haul this week. So yes. we're going to jump right in with the weekly haul. We're going to hit you with our AIM segment, where we're going to talk about the AIM of each book. Uh, for those of you just joining us, we're going to run it real quick, but the AIM is our actual acronym for reviewing books, because we don't like numbers. Numbers are scary and mean, and that's not just because we're bad at math, uh, nope. but numbers are too subjective, so we like to give you all the tools that you need to know uh, going in and making an, an informed purchase of books. So the A in accessibility, or A in AIM stands for accessibility. I scooped myself there. Um, <sighs> How easy is it to grab and read? And also, how likely are you to find it on the shelf for a book that is sold out like Batman Fortnite? It's not super accessible right now. But in terms of the story, how easy can you just jump in if you picked it up right off the shelf? The eye is interest. What is the buzz around this book? Who else would like this book? Are there any similar titles that you're reading? Thank you so much, Paul, for the uh, visual aids and Chris, for the actual visual aids. And finally, M is the money or the monetary investment, that sweet, sweet amount of how much are you paying? How many pages are you getting? Is there something that would drive the price of this book up for any reason? And that's all you need to know to go in and make some fun, informed, or just random grab decisions for books that we want you to try to take a chance on this week. So we're going to jump right in. Paul, you've got quite a saga going with this book.
1: I sure do. And guess what? It's not Saga, because that book's never coming back, apparently. Um, it <laughs> I is... was just
0: thinking about that today, and I <laughs> no. really miss Saga, but it's not Saga.
1: It is not Saga. It is, surprise, surprise, ha-ha number four. I have covered every single issue, one, two, and three, uh, and four, and I will cover five, and I will cover six. Just you know, letting you sort of know right out the gate. Uh, Warning
0: you for which shows that you don't (laughs) want to tune it. No kidding. (laughs)
1: Um, So this is a, um, an anthology series by W. Maxwell Prince, most notably known. Um, I, would say recently for his ice cream man series, uh, anthology in, in comics specifically meaning that you don't need to pick up issue one, two, and three to understand issue four. For instance, uh, I know Rob, he picked up issue four and he actually hasn't had the chance to read one, two or three. Um, and and it reads just fine it's basically all revolving around the sad and wonderful world of clown of clowning is 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 it called clowning? i don't know um but i i love this series i love w maxwell prince so much and um each issue has a different artist so for this book, we've got, of course, W. Maxwell Prince writing here. We've got Patrick Horvath, who is the artist and cover artist. That's the, obviously, if you are watching uh, live or you're on the playback, the this is cover A, and that is also my, or no, I'm sorry, that's cover B, and also my background. Um... And then good old neon is doing uh the letters here and this is this particular issue is called gustav in the world of floating objects and it, and it makes a lot of sense once you start reading it this is um one of my favorite issues of the four i think this is right under issue two um for me so jumping right into the aim of these books the accessibility um again this should be relatively easy to find at your local comic shop. I think HaHa ha has become sort of a front runner for a lot of image books. W. Maxwell Prince has a, a bit of a Midas touch right now. I mean, everything he kind of does, people want to read, myself included, obviously. Um, and also, it is available right now on Comicsology 100%. Um, and again haha is an anthology so you absolutely do not need to have read issue one two and three in order to enjoy this you can just pick this up if you are a fan of uh patrick horvath from some of his um screenplays he's an actor he's also a writer um i he hasn't done much comic work from my i wasn't aware of him really in comics or uh, from his other you know uh, journeys in life that he's taken but he was it was really really great and i loved his art here um, now, again, jumping – so the the A is pretty easy on an anthology series, the accessibility, as far as the interest. Um, I, I did write, and um, Rob can agree with me, this has the most clowns of the entire Haha <laughs> ha series. So, so if you um,
0: compare that with the M, the monetary investment, how many mm-hmm. clowns for for the the price are
1: you getting? You're getting about like probably the book is three ninety nine. I'm gonna say you're probably paying about seventy five cents per clown. Oh, so wow. it's That's a steal. Deal. It is <laughs> it's a steal. Yeah. Um so I mean I had wrote is it it's chlorophobia. If you are chloro. Coal Roof. roof. Coal, coal roof. roof. If you're Coal... It's if the worst If you are afraid word. of clowns... <laughs> it's the worst word. Yep. If you are afraid of clowns, uh, this is not the book for you. The other ones are actually fine. There's it's, there's not many. There aren't really any capital C clowns in this, but this one's got some scurry clowns in it. Um, Amy, I, Amy just passed a note. I have the word written. I still can't pronounce it. <laughs> Um so I um it, I mean this is a fascinating book I think this is only under issue 2 because of the art uh the the art of um in issue 2 I can't I, I can't remember the artist right now unfortunately uh is is it edges it out but the writing is up there with it it's really insane uh how w Maxwell Prince can balance two very very different characters but the story does tie in really well I'd say um he oh yeah so I would also say that Gustav who is the the main clown in focus here is. Is interesting. He's a self-deprecating professional clown, and he kind of goes on a weird trip in a balloon. Um, and that's really again, we are a spoiler-free show and podcast, so I'm not going to go into too much of what everything is um, on you know in the guts of the comic there. But uh, he's a he's an interesting character who is battling alcoholism and a bunch of other demons from his life. And Prince writes him so well. I mean, he writes everyone very um, intimately. And then he's also writing um, about a, a young child named Chris. It's his eleventh birthday party, and his mother hired Gustav to be the clown at his birthday party. And he's writing these stories in tandem, and it's he captures each voice like they don't they feel so unique and so different. Uh, me and Amy have talked about on the show like Kelly Thompson writing Deadpool, Captain Marvel, Black Widow. At the same time, like, that's such a task, like, of, of stepping into all of these voices and, you know, expressing them so uniquely and so distinctively. Um, and W. Maxwell Prince does a great job of that. I think this is the first time I've really seen him do that in this book. Um, it's interesting. There are some parallels. It, it took me two read-throughs to understand how the two stories um, really are intertwined and how one makes sense to the other. So I definitely recommend reading it twice if you pick it up. Um, and, of course, uh, Patrick Horvath does a great job with this book on colors. He does the entire thing actually in watercolors, which I am always a fan of because I think that's such an interesting and difficult medium for. Um, for comics because comics is it, it has a tendency to be so precise it can be overly precise at times and you can kind of notice and so uh i like the idea of the watercolors and then does a, a horvath i'm sorry does a a, a wonderful job um with that it, it was great and again uh is going into the m399 that's 75 cents per clown and um 32 pages and this is actually issue four of six so this is only a six issue miniseries it might pick back up it was kind of like when he did um w maxwell prince had done ice cream man that was actually only supposed to be i think eight or seven issues and now it's at like what 32 or something so you know <laughs> si- if you like a book p- put it on your pool and uh it'll it'll hopefully stick around forever
0: and i really i really hope a lot of fans are enjoying especially image has been so great with the anthology mm-hmm. style outputs i know that we get marvel and dc doing anthology stories where it's each creative team takes eight pages in in a larger book but to do it where every single full length issue is um a totally different story i think it's a great value it's a great storytelling tool really yeah. lets you rotate a lot of creative teams while uh, keeping a really interesting project. And, and if you guys remember, our similarly recently reviewed uh, The Silver Coin is also one of those horror anthology series where each, uh, the, the artist is the same in each one, but the writer changes and the story changes. Um, I just think it's a fantastic uh, method of storytelling. And I love yep. that Image is taking the chance on doing a series made up of completely different stories.
1: Yep, 100%.
0: All right. Now I'm going to jump over to my aim. This was a beautiful, beautiful book that I think a lot of people might overlook, but it is from Boom Studios and it's one of their bigger releases this week. I've got The Many Deaths of Layla Starr, number one. Just check out that cover that is uh, Felipe Andrade on the cover, uh, who also did the interior artwork. Just a beautiful, beautiful cover. Um, And those colors are very indicative of the just the kind of style and presence of the story. So this was written by Rom V, uh, who's kind of on a tear through some amazing, just amazing titles lately, um, with art, as I mentioned, by Felipe Andrade, colors by Inez Amaro, and lettering by And World Design. Now, in terms of accessibility, this is a, first of all, a larger release from Boom Studios this week. um, So I think you should have no problem finding it. I even believe there were a few variant covers. I know that there was a David Mack, uh, one of those foil variants, but you got to watch out for those because the David Mack foil variants, they've done them for *Vault*, uh, Vampire the Masquerade as well. If they have a cardstock hardcover, you'll want to check because sometimes those are priced up to $10. I will be reviewing the standard cover, which was $3.99 to you know, jump ahead to M for a second. But um, if you are buying alternate covers, be sure that your store uh, hasn't priced them up. But the, the David Mack foil variants are generally... $10 by default. So if you're grabbing that one, just be be aware. But um, in terms of accessibility of the story, this is a true number one. And I think in a uh, really special way, it reads like a fairy tale or very poetic. Um, and I think more so than regular comic narratives, those that take a bit of a, a almost fairy tale or mythological uh, telling to them are even more accessible because of the um, kind of general predisposition. Uh, everybody has uh, uh, to understanding the kind of magical nature of a fairy tale, and and that makes the story extremely accessible, and is also very important because it's a story about the fine line between living and dying in Mumbai, uh, and it's it's just really cool. It's done through the lens of magical realism, which is a genre that I love. So it is almost it's like just left of normal, uh, but there's no superheroes and punch em ups and giant robots, but it's it's very much. Um, a gentle, magical look at the natural world. Uh, So basically the premise of this book, without giving away too much, is that uh, death, the entity and the avatar of death uh, has been furloughed because the kind of the high God uh, of this, this world has identified that a child is about to be born Who's going to grow up to discover the secret to immortality? So he figures uh, it's best to get in on the the cutting room floor. He furloughs death, but says to her, "We're not going to make you disappear. We can't really do that. Um, but you get a mortal existence, and you're going to live as a mortal." And so she kind of has to take That's this. Nice. She doesn't. She does not take it well, <laughs> um, as as one would, um, because she says, "Either I'm going to die and." And you know, meet my own consequence, and and be a terrible broken human being, or I'm gonna live long enough for this stupid child to be born, who's gonna make me immortal, and then I'm stuck as a human forever. Uh, so it, it's it's just such a charming premise, and so you get the branching narratives of the baby is about to be born. Um, as the father speeds through the streets of Mumbai, which if you're familiar with India, uh, the, the streets are very difficult to navigate for vehicles. And so he's, we've got the life and death where his wife's about to give birth, but he's causing traffic accidents everywhere he goes. We've got death being furloughed. And then we have Layla Starr, who is the girl on the cover. And the um, cover kind of gives away her point in the story here. Uh, we, we only see Layla very briefly, uh, but she and death are connected in the way that once death is furloughed, how she um, comes to the the mortal realm. And I don't want to give away too much of that, but it's just such a delightful story. And then you see all of these things uh, connect as we get closer to the arrival of the baby who's going to save humanity by inventing immortality. Um, in terms of interest, uh, this, this was pitched by Boom in the solicitation for fans of Uh, The Wicked and the Divine, which I can see some of that, especially the dealing with deities and uh, mortality, Uh, but also for fans of The Dreaming, which is currently uh, that Sandman spinoff by G. Willow Wilson and Nick Robles. Um, But I personally also got a little bit of continuing with the Neil Gaiman-esque theme. uh, Definitely got a little bit of good omens, a little bit of American gods in there, but just some general uh, Neil Gaiman vibes. Um, I think with the integration of uh, the mythological and the the supernatural with the mundane, um, and while it didn't have necessarily the humor of Good Omens, it did have very much that like we've got to identify this special child, and an entity from the heavenly realms is is forced to go to Earth
1: oh, to, to do this little uh, little preacher in there too,
0: little bit of preacher. Yeah. Um, but this is but this is very much a poetic very reverent and gentle look at the ideas of life and death. So it's not slapstick, it's not gory in any way. Um, I was just deeply enchanted by this because again, it does read as a fairy tale. Um, And it's so colorful. I mean, Felipe Andrade, um, fans might be familiar with his work on Captain Marvel with Kelly Sue DeConnick, uh, but the, the line art here is so perfectly dreamy because not all of the character lines are Uh, held together at all times where there's there's just a really soft quality to them, a very action-oriented quality, a lot of exaggeration as we get falling motion. And again, you can see that really in the cover with her uh, limbs and her hair kind of splayed out. It's just, it's beautiful. And then uh, Inez Amaro's colors are all, I don't think there's a single traditional color scene. I mean, everything has pinks and blues and greens and oranges all kind of blended together. It's like a sorbet. It's like a visual sorbet. Uh, and I really liked this book. And again, I mentioned in the M, it's three ninety nine. You get 32 pages. There are no advertisements because this is a Boom Studios book. You do get that little bit at the end that Boom always includes that kind of tells you where to find their books um, and, and what else is coming up from the publisher. Uh, but otherwise, it is straight story all the way through. And it's I believe it's a five-issue mini series, so nice. um, this is definitely one where if you are interested, add it to your poll because uh, I think final order cutoff for the second issue is coming up very quickly, uh, and this series will go by in the blink of an eye. But it's so beautiful, and I just loved the uh, the that fairy tale quality, that magical realism that uh, Layla Star had to it. So that is the many deaths of Layla Star number one from Boom Studios.
1: I also love Amy that her body is sort of positioned like a star yeah yeah that's that, that pretty, was one that's of those pretty things. rad too it's so yeah. cool uh, it's
0: just the whole thing is so smartly done and i was it it, it's just one of those stories that just kind of whisks you through really quickly and not in yeah. the way that it was like wow this is a really fast read it's just you are so entranced and it flows so beautifully
1: yeah that's uh it's it's wonderful I, oh my god i love the colors on it too beautiful all right everyone we are going to move along um uh, into the next book that we are going to aim, which is a book that I picked up, and this is from another series, uh, it's another anthology, and another publisher, I am talking, of course, about Truth and Justice, number three, by DC Comics. Um, this is a real interesting read, I- I'd say. So again, Truth and Justice, number three, by DC, written by Danny Lore, uh art by Ray Anthony Height, Will uh, Quintana on colors, and Becca Carey on letters. This is a... Um, for all intents and purposes this is a John Constantine and Papa Midnight um story. It's it's focused on them and also what is it, you know, what it means really to influence someone from a past that you've already, you know, walked through. It it's in, it's an interesting story. It is a very esoteric meta story as a lot of John Constantine stories tend to be. <laughs> um so jumping right into um the a you know it's always funny i think we all me and amy tend to lean really heavy on each of the letters in the acronym like usually there's a lot to say about uh the accessibility or the interest and sometimes the monetary investment and today the monetary investment and accessibility will really take precedence um and i'll explain why in a second so as far as the accessibility goes for this book um, should be pretty easily found at your LC, at your local comic shop right now. Um, I don't think you would have a problem finding it. Um, and of course, it is also online on Comicsology right now in a bit of a different format. So, if you are grabbing this book physically, like if you're if you're walking the wall and you're picking it up, it is technically um, a compile. It is three issues of the online story compiled. So, if you are picking it up online, it is, technically speaking, Truth and Justice number 7, 8, and 9. Just be aware of that. Um, these were released around the same time as Tom... Yeah, Tom Taylor's uh, digital and online deceased stories. DC was sort of experimenting with it. Um, And it's great. All these stories are fantastic. And it's also giving a lot of artists and writers a place to tell these stories that maybe they can't always tell when it comes to print. Because there's just just so uh, much talent. And this is just another good avenue for them, I'd say. So, um, as far as, like, how easy can you just – how easy is it to just pick up this book and read, like – I'm going to be honest, if you've never read a Constantine story and this is your first one, don't read it. Uh, there is a lot of subtext between John Constantine and Papa Midnight and their relationship and a lot of callbacks to Hellblazer, uh, specifically like the middle. It's like like the third arc. So I think that's technically issue like like 20 and on. Um It's it's a really interesting story. I mean, you could pick it up technically and just really, really enjoy it, but um, it's not as accessible as some of the other truth and justice uh, books have been. I haven't been collecting it, but I did read truth and justice number one, two and three, uh, which is just that's the digital format but it's the story with vixen um and that's way more accessible because i think they do a better job of explaining her backstory a bit so this isn't the most accessible book but if you've read some john constantine in the last five or six years i think you would be okay um now as far as the interest goes uh again there's some real constantine um like classic British charm where he is charming his way not with magic not magic charms uh like you know <laughs> just um charisma yeah his charisma and flashing his uh baby browns no I think he has blue <laughs> eyes actually but um his blue eyes uh he fl- like in one minute he's flirting with the uh the receptionist the next with one of Papa Midnight's guards and it's just He's just charismaing his way up until, you know, the top top of the building there. Um so that is an aspect I've always really liked about Constantine. Um and I think uh, Danny I'm sorry, um yeah, Danny Lore writes that really well. Um I will be honest, Ray Anthony Height doesn't have my he's he doesn't draw my definitive John Constantine. But uh, it's still really good. Uh, it's still a an exceptional John Constantine. I absolutely love it. Um, it's it got a great story of a boy named Alex who must choose basically who he wants to be his mentor. And Constantine all but really notices that this kid is sort of walking a path that he has walked, and he had no mentors. And he's like, and look how I ended up. Um, but he also realizes, like, I'm not a great mentor. <laughs> like, I am not <laughs> the one to do it, but no one else is going to do it because there aren't really a whole lot of, um, there aren't a whole lot of, as he says, Blue Boy Scouts in the underground magic world. So um, so it's a really interesting story, and I think Danny Loris sort of ca- uh, carries the book on the back of Constantine's charisma, but Papa Midnight is also written really well. Um, I- I'd say I really love uh, a lot of the different um elements and scenery that we we get with um um I'm sorry, Anthony Heights art. It's it's great. And then you also have um Voodoo Knight who's another smaller character. So there's some deep cut magic. Like if you're a uh, Justice League Dark fan, there's some real deep cuts in here as well. Um Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a real fun book. It's there's not um I also recommend it it will be on D C Universe Infinite pretty soon as well. But it so, now, getting into the M, the monetary investment, if you go to uh, your shop and you pick it up, it's $4.99 for all three of the digital issues compiled into one. Or if you are a Comixology subscriber, um, you can get issues 7, 8, and 9 for 99 cents because that's what they were originally solicited at. Um, but they're, I, I would still recommend going into your local comic book shop and getting the book. Uh, physically, I think it flows a lot better when you get it physically. So um, that's Truth and Justice number three. Yeah, it's a really, really cool book. Uh, If you are a Constantine fan, Papa Midnight fan, definitely pick it up.
0: All right. Now I've got one last aim for us this week that should surprise absolutely nobody, but I am very excited to have this book uh, to discuss. I am going to aim for you The Mighty Valkyries number one from Marvel Comics. Now this is um, the resultant, title of the mini series that we just had king and black return of the valkyries uh which very nicely set the stage uh that that goes into the accessibility i will talk about that in just a sec but we do have a lot of great creatives going in on this book uh on the writing side we have both jason aaron and theron grownback uh who uh they work together for the jane story and then uh i believe theron was uh was solo on the second story which i don't want to spoiled too much, but there are kind of two big narratives in this uh, story. Uh, and then the art, we've got Mattia uh, de Ulis, uh, who you guys might remember from Jessica Jones' Blind Spot. He does the the bulk of the work on the Jane story. And then we have Erica De d'Urso uh, on the uh, secondary Valkyrie title in the back of the book. Uh, then we also have Colors by Marcio Meniz. And then we have Letters by Joe Sabino, who is just, he, I think Joe Sabino has actually, genuinely been on the Thor title longer than Jason Aaron. Jo- Josephino oh has Josefino has lettered like every Thor all the time, always. So God. great, great dude. Uh, really awesome. So it's, it's. I mean, again, it's an all-star Thor talent team. And oh my God, awesome. putting Mattia de Ulis on this book, Revelation. Um, you guys can see he actually did the cover work here, uh, which almost is like a very much a pastiche of everything that goes on in this issue. We've got the jaws of a wolf. We've got Loki. We've got Carnilla and Hela, um, who we haven't seen for a little while. But if you guys remember from Jason Aaron's very last run on Thor, when Odinson took the uh, title back, they did get married and now they are the co-ruling Queens of hell. Um, it was more of a political alliance than anything else. But um, and then we have a mysterious pa- uh, set of triplets. I almost set a pair of triplets. That's not a thing. Uh, a mysterious set of triplets who are introduced in the issue. We've got also um, the wolf. We've got the new Valkyrie and then Jane Foster in the center wielding uh, Yarn the all-weapon all right. So now that that's out of the way and we've met our lovely cast of characters. So in terms of accessibility, as I mentioned, this does pick up from return of the Valkyries. Um, and it's also, uh, it deals a lot in Jane's new station in life, which was introduced in Jane Foster Valkyrie, which was the series that preceded all of this. Um, that was a 10 issue series, uh, that introduced the idea of her being the new Valkyrie when all of the Valkyries in war of the realms were slaughtered. Um, and, uh, she has been demoted from her doctor's position. She is now a morgue assistant, uh, But that's a little more hand in hand with her job now as the Valkyrie, who is one of the kind of uh, fairy fairy men of the dead. Uh, There's a better word for that, but now I'm thinking, we were talking Noctera earlier, that's what they call. But you know, one of those kind of people who guides people into the afterlife, um, like a psychopomp. it's a new number one and it's a mini-series uh, and, and all new number ones in Marvel do a great job of kind of introducing all the concepts they want you to know, but you do get the best effect having been uh, current on most of Jane's stuff, especially uh, the, the King in Black because it did introduce a mysterious Valkyrie who was there before all the original Valkyries or, or the ones that we knew from Marvel Comics and she has a mystery that is being unraveled in this story. Um, it's a, I, But I think this is a fantastic reintroduction to the character. Uh, we're kind of back true to form outside of all of the events. Um, you get to see a lot of Jane's work as a morgue assistant and what she's doing uh, now that she herself is cancer-free uh, and getting back to work and has a few select people that she knows and or trusts, and some she doesn't trust, who know her secret identity, both as a former Thor and the current Valkyrie. Um, so in terms of interest, there is a lot to love here. First of all, if you're a Loki fan, uh, you're going to have a good time with this, uh, book. There is a variant cover for this issue by, uh, Azrar. That was the original solicit cover for Jane Foster Valkyrie 11 before that series, uh, was curtailed. Um, a little early and it does reveal uh, Jane and Loki side by side at a bar together, which does come into play in this story. And and so actually fans who were keeping track of the solicitations might be excited to know that some of those concepts that were solicited uh, before the book was not canceled, but ended prematurely, those are coming back up, and we are getting variant covers that uh, suggest as much, which means we might have a, uh, I believe, The Son of Craven the Hunter is coming up in the next issue. Uh, but there's also some Doctor Strange in here. If you like uh, kind of Doctor Strange and Jane uh, procedural uh, drama and kind of uh, stuff in the hospital, we get a little bit of that, which was uh, also a thing in Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange run, So, uh, and and of course, the Mighty Thor run. They, they do... Uh, work well together. And Dr. And Strange is one of the few people who knows Jane's secret. Um, there's a lot of plot threads going on here. I mean, again, I mentioned the reintroduction of the Queens of Hell, so we haven't seen them for a while. Um, but uh, I don't think this this book is, is wholly inaccessible, uh, even if you don't really know where all the characters are. You just kind of have to be uh, open to the adventure. Um But this is so much fun for thor fans especially if you're a jane foster fan um there's there's not a hint of thor odinson in this one actually so i think that's really interesting um that we've we've really got uh plot threads from that overall arc but we've got other characters driving the story like jane like loki and like our third mysterious valkyrie um so like i said there are two stories the first story does take the bulk of it and it's the jane Kind of the main adventure. We've got a, a giant wolf from Norse mythology that is loose in New York City, and we do get to see that on the cover again. Um, Mattia's artwork looks like film stills. It looks like it looks like, and I know sometimes when people say, "Oh, it looks really CGI," that's not a great thing. But in terms of capturing that on a comic book page, the realism uh, of his work and his coloring, the the lighting is so dramatic. It's just. It's mind-blowing. I don't know how to explain it any better. And I, and Rob and Paul, I mean, if you guys could speak to that as well. I mean, like, it just looks cinematic, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, 100%. It, he did um, the – oh, geez, the book for Empire. It was like the Road to, road to Empire. Yes, was, Road to Empire. And there is this still that is – there's a scroll who is lying in the street and there's rain falling down like, over the scroll's face, and it's still probably one of my favorite comic book panels of all time. He has, like, this ability to sort of have the... It's it's weird. It's, it's as, like... Yeah, it's like you said. It's as much realism as you can get in a comic book without it being too obscure-looking. Um, but it's just this... It's just the colors and the usage of, like, the particular lines that mm-hmm. he has. It's, it's insane. And I've only really just scratched the surface of how much... Mattia uh, D. I've read or been involved with, and I, I he's fantastic.
0: Yeah, and he does his own colors as well, which yeah. is where you get the real dramatic um, highlights and shadows. And, and I know that there's some people are like, well, if it's too realistic, when you can tell the artist maybe had a really, really close photographic reference that they just kind of shushed over but uh if you see Matthias process and his line art um Mm -hmm. and i have a jessica jones commission from him like it's it's all in his coloring and and the and the way he does, it's just, it's so amazing uh, the way he renders this, but um, enough gushing about that. I mean, that is worth the price of admission alone, but just woof. Uh, And the second story is a lot of fun too, because we get the introduction and and a little bit more reveal of a brand new character to the Marvel universe who did debut in uh, King and Black, for those of you speculators who might be looking for her first issue. Uh, But it's just, it's a lot of fun. And I think there's a nice theme that's already emerging uh, from the start of this book, and it's about memories and who holds them, those stories of our lives, especially when uh, Jane is someone who's responsible for uh, helping people into their afterlife, who holds on to those stories about us. and as we get a brand new mysterious Valkyrie who all history of her has been lost again, who holds her story? Where is that? And so I'm really looking forward to, uh, watching that emerge throughout this story. Also, there's some really fun, uh, chips, the level, uh, Hidden like jokes when they go to a bar that's for people who work uh, in death. There's some there's some really fun stuff. I won't spoil it for you, but but you're gonna want to pay attention to every single panel <laughs> in this book. In terms of M, it's 4.99 because it's a brand new number one from Marvel. Um, I believe the rest of the mini series will be 3.99, uh, and as I mentioned before, it is a five issue mini series. But uh, this issue is 36 pages, so it's slightly uh, larger than the average, and it's just beautiful. And they they balance the two stories really well, where it doesn't feel like any one of them was too short or too long based on how engaged you are in the action. this I mean, I've been waiting for this one for so long, and I'm just so excited that <laughs> it's here.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I, I haven't read any Thor for quite some time, and I really want to read this book, even if it's just for Matilda Ulysses.
0: Yeah, and it's actually it's nice that while it plays into Jason Aaron's Thor, which is to be understood because he's one of the writers, it's completely divorced from Donny Cates' stuff as well right now. So you don't oh, have gosh. to be reading uh, the Donny Cates, uh, as far as I know, but you don't have to be reading... um Donnie's stuff right now to have it impact Jane because Jane has her own job right now and that is being a Valkyrie and she's slowly uh bringing the ranks back up They're they're starting to get more Valkyries back in in business what kind of so. healthcare
1: care plan you get as a Valkyrie <laughs> I
0: don't know I'd, I'd have to ask I mean there, I've heard the the retirement plan is pretty great Valhalla but uh nice. <laughs> beyond that
1: <laughs> beyond that who knows beyond that veil who knows
0: yeah, and if you're looking for more Jane this week, I believe she's also in the Women of Marvel anthology. Um, I don't think uh, either Jason or Theron were uh, on that title, but I think she's in oh, the okay. anthology this week, and that's going to be a big anthology um, of spotlighting Marvel female characters.
1: Nice. All right. Yeah. That was a lot to cover. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of books. These were really good books, and again, it's always nice whenever we can cover four different books from four different publishers. It's always fun to sort of run the gamut there
0: yes so we do have a couple of questions coming in from the audience rob you want to pop back on real quick and uh we'll do our best to knock those out of the park
1: absolutely uh got a question from andrew Wershborn over on let your geek side show i uh, just wanted to know um your general thoughts on graded comics collecting slash slabbing books yeah i mean i i can, I have one so i have one slabbed book and it is it was a gift it was its new teen titans number two It is the first appearance of deathstroke um nice and i have that because i have that in front of my deathstroke six scale by hot toys um other than that i don't really do it i i don't think i have anything to i have like maybe two books that are valuable enough to do it but i'm just like ah uh, who has i i don't have i don't personally have the time and i just it's not for me personally but um I I get it. I get that there is a market for it.
0: Absolutely. It's also personally not for me because I am one of those people who I don't care how gently I have to do it with the the most tiniest tweezers and, like, perfect gloves. If I ever get Journey into Mystery 83, I'm going to want to read that sucker. I'm going to want to read it at least once to say that I did it. Got to be careful. Um, but I, I personally – I look, some books – aren't taken care of well, but I always try to protect my books as best as I can with bags and boards and organizing and keeping them in safe, dry locations. But there's something for me about slabbing a book that, uh, entirely changes the purpose of the object. And for me, books are for reading, um, Mm -hmm. and read them well and, and love them. Uh, so as soon as you slab it, it's extremely difficult and possibly completely book-threatening to try to remove it from the case. Yep. Um, so you're assigning it a value, but also it loses the intrinsic value of the item, in my opinion. Um, 100%, yeah. So I it's mean, not, it, if not if for me. If you have me. multiple
1: copies of the thing, uh, then do you. Also, it's yours. So yeah. do what you want to. But um, yeah, if I was ever going to slab anything, like I would need I, – I like my OCD would just kick in. I would absolutely need to have a version that I could open up and read. Um, yeah. Otherwise, like I wouldn't do. It. But I'm sure that's probably pretty common. I'm not really sure, honestly. I'm I'm kind of uh, disconnected from the CGC world, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and I and I do love seeing how how nicely those little headers that they put on each of the slabbed books, like this is signed on this date by this person, and it's the first appearance of whatever. I love that. That's great, and I wish I could have that just pull up for every single one of my comics. But personally, uh, it's not for me because ultimately, if the book if the book ceases to be able to be read, then it's not a book anymore, <laughs> in my opinion. Exactly. And and I've also seen people, there's ways that people can like, you know, they press the book under a bunch of heavy stuff to make it slightly seem nicer. So the numbers, like we say, numbers are made up and they kind of don't really count. Aim
1: your CGC books. A-
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no disrespect to anyone who does that yeah. because it is a very valuable collectible market. I yep. I just personally, I think- because I also have too much space in long boxes already. Like, I have too many long boxes already. I don't need the extra thickness
1: yeah. of slabs. <laughs> it's just not our cup of mead. Um, but, uh, Rob, we have we have one more question, right? Yep. I got one more for you coming from Mike Faela over in YouTube. Just wants your general opinion on digital or physical copies for your books. Ooh. Um, great question. Um, I am right now reading digital because I'm in the process of moving about an hour away from where I am now. So I am not going into the shop that I will be going into when I move. So everything I'm reading right now is digital. But yeah, I'm I'm a physical copy person. Um, but I do have um, some subscriptions to, you know, DC Universe Infinite, Comicsology and Marvel Unlimited in case, you know, for all the other books that I want to read. So it's a mix of both, but it's like 70, 30 physical copies for me.
0: Yeah. I, I'm i pretty, I'm probably 90 physical, 10 digital, digital only by necessity or when Marvel gives you the bonus digital copies. That's oh, great. Yes. I love to have those duplicates because once I bag and board it, it is a little harder to get out of my long boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to have the digital reference. However, um, writers write very specifically for page turns, and I don't think that the digital format can replicate a page turn uh, very well. And uh, while the digital has great applications for sharing panels or or zooming in on details, um, I love the tactile feel of it. And it just comes down to uh, last summer, my apartment complex had a blackout for about six hours, at which time the, the sun went down, and it was pitch black, no internet, no lights. And I pulled out an emergency lantern, and I read all of my back issues of Empire, of which there were like 12, oh, yeah. um, and I was like, if the internet was out, I wouldn't have been able to <laughs> pick up my books.
1: It's, 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 We're just that close to chaos, everyone.
0: Reading them by flashlight, <laughs> like the cavemen used to do.
1: Yes. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Robin. thank you, all of you. Please, always, always ask us questions, but just no more today, because we've got w- – Technically, two more segments we got to burn through. Maybe right. let's hit it.
0: Crunch time. We've got trade show. We wanted to hit you guys up with a little bit of information about a couple of trade paperbacks. Actually, these ones are releasing this week. Sometimes we like to go back into the archives and just mm-hmm. generally give you trade paperback knowledge. But this is stuff that is out this week uh, that will inform your reading experience. A couple of them are books that Paul and I love that we've covered on the show, so we don't really need to go over in great detail. But the uh, first and biggest kind of most important release, I think this week is, we've got a Thunderbolts omnibus hardcover.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is, uh, there's a lot uh, here, specifically, you know, this ties in, of course, perfectly with, you know, Zemo, and we've got, I'm going to call her Val, um, over on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Uh, and there's talks and hopes of a Thunderbolt series, so Marvel expertly timed this sort of catch-all like if you are relatively new to thunderbolts like myself like i'm not a thunderbolts uh, scholar i'd say uh this seems like a wonderful wonderful jumping on point now there is quite a bit here there's a, there's a lot of book um so there it, this collects 41 issues it collects uh, a couple. It's first their first appearance, them being I'm sorry the um, the Thunderbolts on the Incredible Hulk number four forty nine, and then it also includes thirty three issues of the Thunderbolts' very first uh, solo series, and that is in uh, nineteen ninety seven. Um, again. If you are an omnibus collector like our good friend Jim Mint, this is going to be perfect for you because it's 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 right it's going to be right up your alley. Um, and again, a great introduction point to some something that I think we might see in the MCU coming. Yeah, forward.
0: given given I mean we haven't seen the Falcon and Winter Soldier finale yet, but given that we've got Baron Zemo back in action, uh, we've got the raft with uh, getting mentioned again, um, and and I think this is a lot of fun because the Thunderbolts. Well. Marvel probably won't be able to pull a fast one on fans these days. Back when the Thunderbolts were first introduced, Marvel kept the secret guarded so closely. They said, this is going to be a great new superhero team, brand new characters you've never seen before. And to their credit, these designs were brand new. I mean, Citizen V and uh, I think we had Mach 4 uh, and a bunch of different characters But the big reveal of that was, of course, this is a team of supervillains in disguise. We've got Moonstone, we've got Beetle, Fixer, we've got Screaming Mimi, and we've got Baron Zemo as Citizen Mm -hmm. V, of course. So uh, while they can't pull a fast one on us anymore, this is something that fans have been clamoring to see for a long time from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a team of villains who may or may not be reformed uh, doing some bad good deeds.
1: Yes. um, And again, so we're not going to aim these books or anything, but just, you know, be wary of the fact that this is an omnibus so it's actually going for a pretty relative marvel omnibus cost it's priced right now retail at 125 so if you went into your local comic shop you're going to be dropping uh, you know 125 dollars but we didn't do the math i'm for sorry over this 40,
0: time, but for over 40 book for over 41
1: issues, issues yeah that's the math it, it you know it's it's there it's on that's, your side so
0: it's like 75 cents per clown it's very economical <laughs>
1: Correct. Yes. So very economical. Um, you're not a columnophobist. So um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's a great book. We. I don't uh, have I time don't, to correct you. <laughs> I know you don't. That's why I did. it. Uh, but we've got two more, uh, two more, hard, one one hardcover and one um, trade paperback. Which one do we got next here?
0: I'll jump in. Uh, Black yeah. Widow. Uh, so you guys might remember I covered Black Widow previously on this show. I adore this series. This is yet uh, another one of Kelly Thompson's just amazing feathers in her cap, uh, along with artist Elena Casagrande and colorist Jordi Valer. This is Black Widow volume one, the ties that bind. Uh, this is the first five issues of the series in which Natasha Romanoff uh, has seemingly been mind wiped and now she has a perfect idyllic life in San Francisco. She's got a husband. She's got a child. What the heck is going on? Uh, a fantastic mystery that if any of that confused you. Hopefully Hopefully, it didn't make you angry, but if it made you angry, maybe you want to check out the book and figure out what the heck is going on as well. Uh, There's some great inclusions of Hawkeye, The Winter Soldier, and uh, Yelena Belova as well. Fantastic, fantastic book. And it's just in time with the first five issues. We've got number six coming up very soon, and number six will see the debut of uh, Black Widow's brand new costume, a brand new uh, espionage enterprise that she is entering into in San Francisco. So if you wanted to make the jump, Pick up the trade and then hop on to the monthlies that are coming out. I think it's next week is Black Widow number six. Fantastic. Fantastic. Just another... Uh, excellent testament to Kelly Thompson's ability to write any Marvel character at this point. Yeah. She's a chameleon.
1: <laughs> she sure is, is a Swiss Army writer. So, um, yeah. So moving along to Boom Studios is a book that I had covered, I think maybe issue one and maybe three or so. But it's Wind. Uh, now, this is volume one. This is the hardcover book. This is the comic book shop exclusive hardcover edition that you're that you're seeing. Uh, that is the cover actually for issue one, but there is a hardcover out now. Uh, it's actually only running you 19.99. It's really reasonably uh, priced right now, and it collects Wind number one through five. Uh, re- basically, Wind is the title character. He lives in Pipetown works at a local tavern has a pretty easy life until he doesn't uh the volume one is is uh titled flight of the prince there is it's it's got a mix of like once in future and some of the more political elements of like game of thrones where there's there's this fight for power and the prince needs to leave and wind is so unknown that he's the only one that can take him so it's a wonderful beautiful story written by James Tynion in the fourth and art by Michael D. Um, I love this book I loved every single issue and it was so popular that boom said can you please continue it uh, on for another arc so it was originally released it was supposed to be released as a trade paperback it wasn't supposed to get single issues and they said well let's let's see if it works as, uh, with single issues it very it, it did <laughs> spoilers and and um, and so this is now collecting issues one through five, and you can pick up issue six next week. Uh, I would highly recommend doing it.
0: Boom. That's our trade show for the week. So you can walk into your local comic book store armed with all of this knowledge and pick up some pretty awesome books. But uh, beware if you are adding to your to-be-read pile. We've got the holler at the hall question. Some of you might get a little anxious at this. Of course, last week we asked you, be honest, how many books are in your to-be-read to be, read, uh, to be read pile right now? Take a picture, share your stack. Yes. Uh, Paul publicly shamed himself over in our local comic society Facebook group. You can go mm-hmm. to uh, side.show slash yourLCS if you want to check that out. That's a... We're the soft beta launch. But um, before we go too much into that, we've got some great pictures you guys provided. Sure a little bit of a solidarity sharing session. So uh, if we could get Mike Farbo's picture. Mike Farbo, come on down. Uh, come we've on got an uh, amazing collection. Uh, and he says, my stack was much, much bigger, but I took a chunk out of it last year. There will always be new books to buy. So it's a seemingly never-ending battle. A uh, lot of great Marvel titles. we got some Image in there as well and DC uh, just kind of covering the entire spectrum. Uh, just just really great.
1: Oh, yeah. And then if we can pull up now, next, Mr. Scott Ryan. Uh, he said, okay, well, these uh, and a three-fourth full long box. I got work to do. More coming as well. Uh, we can't see exactly which books Scott has left to read, but... He's got some books to read, is all I know.
0: I don't think it'll take very long for him to read that Funko Pop box, though. But once he's no, done no, no. with that, he can move on to the... <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And Achievable fi- goals.
0: <laughs> finally, from uh, from the groups, we've got Ryan Bragg. <laughs> Ryan Bragg, this is your pull. Uh, he says, this is my current pile. It doesn't include my digital comics that I bought yesterday on Comixology. Oh, nice. So uh, the good thing, I back to our comics, uh, physical versus digital. Uh, digital comics don't take up any shelf space, mm-hmm. but... Uh,
1: it's much harder take to hard see drive. your anxiety uh, <laughs> that way, but you just know once you open your smart list and everything. Uh, yeah, a lot of good and, books there. And then
0: I, because Wait. Paul shared his video in the group, but I did not yet, I wanted to show you guys what my pile looks like. Actually, it's a lot different after today's pull list because my pull list today was insane. But at the very tippy top of this uh, beautiful ice cream sandwich, you see those are it's the single issues. Those are my weekly, like what I need to be reading from the last two weeks. But this entire short box and all of those trade paperbacks are my Buffy collection that I've just obtained. (laughs) I've got over a hundred single issues of Buffy, uh, including Angel and Faith and the core title, plus all those trades that are the Dark Horse plus the Boom Studios. So I will be at that for a little while, but I wanted to share (laughs) that because uh, while the, the single issue pile might fluctuate week to week, again, there is always something left to be read and I have somehow managed to luck into over 100 issues of Buffy that I'm behind on right
1: now. <laughs> Wonderful. One of the beautiful <laughs> burdens of being a comic book collector. Um, there's always something to read. Uh, ne- you're never out of books and uh, we yep. we can attest to that. We promise. And I'm sure... Rob's uh, stack is pretty bad, too. He he didn't want to publicly shame himself, and that's fine. We'll do it for you, Rob. But uh, <laughs> thank you all. Uh, thank you all so much for submitting your pictures. Again, um, you can submit it over on our social channels. You can find us at The Comics Hall, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can always email us at thecomicshall at sideshow.com. And now we actually got a lot of really great responses in our own official facebook group is called local comic the local comic society you can go to side.show forward slash your lcs it'll take you there we've actually got over 105 or six you know members and this is a real soft launch like we haven't really sort of opened it up to the public we haven't it's our issue
0: zero if you will (laughs) it is
1: yes it is our issue zero it's a way better idea and um (laughs) So we appreciate it. We appreciate all of you guys sharing what your pools are there. And then, of course, we also post our Holler with the Hulk question in the Let Your Geeks Head Show Facebook group every single week um, and we have a new one for you next week because we've got an event we've got two events that are going you know head-to-head right next to each other but next week starting on Monday ending on Friday is Sideshow's Princess Week or is National Princess Week I should say you can go to side.show forward slash Princess Week 21 for all the details on on that so we have a wonderfully written blog as all our blogs are wonderfully written but um, so our question our hauler at the hall question I'm sorry for next week in honor of Princess Week Who is your favorite comic book princess? This is a hard one because you start thinking you're like, oh, wait, I think she's a queen.
0: Yeah, we don't want any queens here. No queens. They get get their own. They get get their their own own time. Yes, but uh, there and there are a lot of princesses, even if they don't necessarily wear the title in their name Mm -hmm. all the time. There are a lot of princesses, and some of our favorite cinematic princesses have, of course, made the jump over to comic books. So all of that is fair game. I'm talking to you. If you like Amy Meberson's Pocket Princesses, go for it. Tell us about Pocket Princesses. (laughs) Uh, So you can, as Paul mentioned, you can find us on social you can always email us and let your geek side show and the local comic society group we will uh look forward to that we will share your responses next week and be sure to join us uh on uh what is that wednesday the 28th uh at 4 p.m pacific where we will be doing a special princess week themed event show so we won't be covering the new books for that week but we will be introducing you to some of our favorite comic book princesses Mm -hmm. and then we can get into it much much later but after that we're heading to a galaxy far far away for a star wars themed yeah, so well, it's something, a, something.
1: <laughs> a lot of themes coming up. So, uh, but we will try to do our best, also in the local comic society, and also probably in local in the Let Your Geekside Show. Also, let you know what we're pulling because books yeah. don't stop for nothing.
0: Yeah. So we'll be back with the new books when we hit May. But uh, hope mm-hmm. to see you for Princess Week and for our Star Wars uh, event as well. So thank you guys so much for joining us. That's all for this week. Again, Wednesday, April twenty first. Happy New Comic Book Day! As always, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been the Comics Hall. This has been The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek side show.